0: Let us pray.
1: Gracious and eternal God, we give thanks to you for this day and for the privilege that it is to gather in your name and to worship you. We pray that you will open our hearts this day to hear the lessons that you teach us in this parable of the Good Samaritan. Open our hearts that what you say to us may bear fruit in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, he's anonymous, this good Samaritan. We don't know his name. We know nothing about him except his compassion. Well, maybe we know something else, too. Were, were Samaritans well thought of in the ancient world by Jews? No, no. Certainly, uh, no self respecting Jew would ever say anything good about a Samaritan. And, and part of Jesus' point, maybe even his main point here, is that true godliness. True faithfulness is not the exclusive province of good, upright, pious people, but it can be seen even in someone that religious people shun. But I don't want to deal with that point this morning. Rather, I'd like to talk about the Samaritan himself and how he showed himself to be a good neighbor, and so let's rescue him from anonymity. Let's let's give him a name. Uh, Oh, let's call him Sam. Get it? Good Sam. We we'll call him Good Sam. Let's look at what Jesus says about him, and then, then let's use his name, Sam, as a little um, memory device to help us learn what it means to love our neighbor. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side, right? and So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. So good Sam, passing along the road, saw the man. And and so let's... Have the S in Sam's name stand for C. Really, I think we'd have to say that our Sam was the only one who really saw the man lying by the roadside. Oh, the others noticed him, of course. But then, like so many of us, they just put him out of their sight. They chose not really to see the man who was in trouble. Indeed, by passing by on the other side, they deliberately decided not to see him. A tourist visiting Asia, who prided himself for his photographic skills, spotted a thin, malnourished child pressing her face against a bakery window with a tear running down her cheek, and he captured the despair of that moment in a, a, a striking photograph which he then took home and used as the grand finale in his PowerPoint presentation about his travels to Asia. And one evening, a man who was in the audience seeing this presentation asked what had happened to the little girl after, the, after he took the picture. Oh, I don't know, the photographer said. I just went on my way. Talented photographer, great eye, brilliant photograph, But did he see her? No. He saw the photograph, the girl he chose not to see. Back in the 1960s, Bob Dylan wrote a song that was made more popular probably by Peter, Paul, and Mary, and several other singers sang it as well, Blowin' in the Wind. Remember that one? You see a few nods out there from those of you of a certain age. It included this provocative line. How many times can a man turn his head and pretend that he just doesn't see? Well, the song says the answer's blowing in the wind. That's not really quite right. We know the answer, don't we? How many times can someone turn their head and pretend that they don't see? Well, again and again and again and again. And we know this because we've all done it. We've all turned our heads and pretended not to see. And we do it in many ways. Sometimes, I guess we're like the priest and the Levite. We walk down the road, we see someone in need, we just walk on by on the other side. Maybe even more serious and convicting in our time is the way that we refuse to see tragedy or need in the rest of the world. The last few years, I've lost count of the times that I've heard people say, I just can't watch the news anymore. I can't look at all those pictures of the tragedy in the world. Even the newscasters give trigger warnings, don't they? This story may include pictures that are disturbing to some viewers. We're so content with our comfortable lives that that we just tune out refugees, starving people, victims of religious persecution, victims of epidemic. We, we don't look at the homeless or the urban poor or the addicted. Is it because we just don't see or is it because that we're pretending not to see? Or maybe that we don't want to see. But good Sam saw. And that's the first thing he teaches us about loving our neighbor, that we must stop walking by on the other side. We must open our eyes and see people in need, people in trouble, not just in our family, not just on our doorstep or in our community, but people all around the world. And then let's let the A in Sam's name stand for act. Act. Sam did more than just see. He went to the man, he bound up his wounds, and he cared for him. He didn't just see, he acted. So, why is it so hard for us to act? I think there are two reasons, at least. One of them is simply fear. What will happen if I do this? How will my life be changed, or my community be changed, or my nation be changed? How how can I be sure it will make a difference? What if I end up biting off more than I can chew? I want to do something, but, but maybe this isn't the right thing, or maybe this isn't the right time. And, and so, in our fear, we end up doing nothing. I'm haunted by a line from a poem that I read decades ago. I can't remember the name of the poem. I can't remember the poet or where I read it, but the line echoes in my heart. It is safer to do nothing. It is safer to do nothing. And what could better summarize the attitude of the priest and Levite in this parable? And you really can't blame them in a way. You know, what if the thieves are still around lurking in the shadows? What if I take my mind off my surroundings and stop to help this man and then I'm the next victim? Or what if the man himself is just a decoy intended to set me up and get me to stop? It's safer to do nothing. That's one reason we find it hard to act. There's also another thing, I I think, there's a kind of paralysis that's brought on by the feeling that we just can't do anything Back to the photographer I mentioned a moment ago when he admitted that he didn't know what happened to the girl he'd photographed. He he got pushed on this a little bit. Didn't you do anything for that child? You just don't understand, he said. It's more complicated than just one child. On every side, there were hungry children. That's often how we feel, isn't it? On every side, there are hungry children. On every side. There are refugees on every side. There are people suffering from malaria or Ebola or some other scourge. We can't minister to them all. I suspect that was in the mind of the priest and the Levite. You know, every time I walk down this road, there's someone in need, and I can't help them all. So, how do we get around the feeling that whatever we do, it, it won't really matter because the problems are too big? Well, let's learn from good Sam. I suspect he knew all the excuses, all the reasons for not doing anything, but nevertheless, what did he do? He acted. There's a little saying that you may have heard before. I know some of you have heard it before. I'm only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do, and what I ought to do, by God's grace, I shall do. Sound familiar? I can't do everything, I can do something. Carl Downs was a Methodist pastor in Pasadena, California. He befriended a young man who was headed on the wrong path, the boy's father had abandoned his family when the boy was just very young, and his now a single mom had moved her several kids to California to try to start over. But the boy, now a teenager, had already had some run ins with the police. And in a very kind and loving way, Pastor Downs took this boy under his wing, he became kind of a surrogate father to this young man. The boy would later write that if it hadn't been for Pastor Downs, I might have become a full-fledged juvenile delinquent. You probably have never heard of Carl Downs. Maybe you've heard of the young man. His name was Jackie Robinson. He went on to become one of the greatest baseball players of all time, the first African American to play in the major leagues. Carl Downs couldn't do everything, but he could do something. And he did something. English journalist Malcolm Muggeridge once asked Mother Teresa of Calcutta, why do you bother with these homeless, hungry children? What difference does it make in this place where so many are starving to death every day? Mother Teresa reached down and picked up a young emaciated child and held her in her arms. But look, she said, there is life in this place even a saint like Mother Teresa couldn't do everything. But she could do something. Good Sam acted. And that's the second thing he can teach us about loving our neighbor, that that we must take hold of the world's needs where we can, not expecting to solve everything, but knowing that if we touch one person, make one life easier we have done something important and beautiful. So the M in Sam's name, let's see, what could that be? The text says that he was moved with compassion. Let's let's tweak that word a little bit. Let's change it to mobilized. It's kind of the same root, right? Move, movement, motion, uh, mobilization, and What Sam did after doing what he could for the wounded man is he mobilized, he set in motion the resources of someone else to continue what he had begun. He knew he couldn't do anything more for the man personally, and so he used his financial resources to provide someone else, in this case the innkeeper, to continue the good work on his behalf. And I think in many ways that part of the lesson is Maybe the most important part for us, because you and I are admittedly very limited in what we can do, especially in our complicated world. But we can mobilize other resources to act on our behalf. And we do that through all kinds of ways, of course. We do it through government agencies, through various nonprofit agencies that we may support. But for Christians, perhaps the first response is that we do it through the church. Just a moment when you put your offerings in the plate, you are mobilizing to help others in need through interfaith food ministry, through Hospitality House, through the the missionary and social service programs of the diocese and the wider Episcopal Church. You're mobilizing by supporting our team in Mexico this week. You're mobilizing by providing Uh, meeting space for a local group that ministers to those struggling with addiction and and by providing space for helping hands down in the Lola Montez house. We're mobilizing by feeding the hungry in Pioneer Park each week. And, And none of us could do these things by ourselves, but by mobilizing and working together, we can do it. And of course, we still can't do everything, but together we can do something. Church is a powerful and effective resource and agency for us as we strive to love our neighbor. So the gospel lesson then closes with the lawyer recognizing that the good Samaritan, this good Sam, who, who saw and acted and mobilized, was truly a loving neighbor to the man who fell among thieves. And what does Jesus say to the lawyer? Go and do likewise. Thank you, John. That's his word to us this morning as well, to us who want to live out the gospel, but who so often find it difficult or frustrating or frightening. So many are in need in our world. So many need a loving neighbor. And you and I can be that neighbor, by God's grace, if we will just take Sam's lesson to heart. We will see and act and mobilize. That's what Sam did. Go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat>